The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Fascinating interviews and compelling conversations. Be present. The Diane Ray Show. Hello, everybody, and I'm so glad you could join me for the show today. I am am so excited you could be present with me for the next hour. I'm Diane Ray, and if you listen, there's a voice that is speaking to us from the 15th century that really deserves to be heard. That voice was a 15th century Indian mystic poet and saint named Kabir, and he was the voice of the poor and oppressed of his time, and his work exposed the social discrimination and economic injustices that he saw every day. And his work is being given a new light through my guest today, Andrew Harvey. And Andrew is an internationally renowned religious scholar, writer, and teacher who has devoted most of his life to studying the world's mystical traditions, including intensive study of Hinduism, Buddhism, and Sufi mysticism. And Andrew has just released a new book that I've been taking a deep dive into. It's called Turn Me to Gold, 108 Poems of Kabir, which is available now through Unity Books. And I'm so happy that he's able to join me today to talk about this. Welcome, Andrew. Diane, what a joy for me to be with you. This is the first time I've talked about this book that means so much to me. I am so thrilled by the book. I'm so thrilled by the radical, gorgeous design that Unity Books has lavished on this book. I'm so thrilled that it is a kind of modern, wholly illuminated manuscript. And I'm so thrilled that it's bringing this huge universal voice to us, back to us at this moment when we need the voice of Kabir so passionately, so deeply. So thank you. Well, I wanted to congratulate you on this because it's such a beautiful collection. And I really want to ask you more about Kabir. But first, I want to just mention the amazing photography in the book from Brett Hurd. I mean, what an accomplishment. This is so incredible. I mean, the the book, it really, as you're reading the words, but then the photography really takes you into the place. I mean, I could get a sense of India, you know, hear the sounds of the people on the streets and in the stalls and in the markets and walking around and, you know, hear dogs barking. And I mean, it just really brought all of that together. So I just wanted to acknowledge the photographs. Oh, I'm so (laughs) pleased that you love them. This was my dream that this book would come out in an absolutely radical new way. And that radical new way had to be the way of Kabir because Kabir's dead set realist, sober realist, fierce realist. He lived in the wild, noisy, dirty, filthy world of the most sacred city on earth, Benares, and he woke up as a kind of illiterate weaver to super consciousness and saw through all of the fictions and games of religion, saw through Hinduism, saw through Sufism, saw through all the religions, because he had an overwhelming realization of the 
transcendent one and of the entire creation born from the transcendent one. And that gave him a total experience of what it is to be a divine human, a new human, a universal human, the next human. And this voice of Kabir is returning to us at this moment, as you say, because he's somebody who stands up for justice, but even more sacredly, he's someone that stands up for the divine in and as everything, every single human being, every single animal, the divine in every stone and every flea and every particle of every cell, the embodied divine. And this is what is at the core of our whole evolution at this very moment. We are going through a global dark night that could be and must be the birth canal of an embodied divine humanity, a new humanity, a humanity grounded in transcendent consciousness, but living in the beauty and the joy and the glory of the embodied Godhead, marrying the two. This is what Kabir did. He married the two and lived the divine human life. And this voice is coming to us now because we are going through this great evolutionary transformation and Kabir is our guide. He got there. He's summoning us over the churning dark waters of history to where he is standing to welcome us home to ourselves, our embodied divine selves. This is an amazing poet and field of truth. Well, I was never really familiar with Kabir before I really took a dive into this book and just, and like you said, his voice just kind of came out from the pages and just grabbed me, you know, like kind of grabbed me by the throat, you know, that's him. He's, he's so incredible. And now I was familiar with Rumi and I'm sure a lot of people are. Um, He was a 13th century Persian poet and Kabir is uh, credited from the 15th century. I mean, so there was a lot of time, uh, I guess, in between, Oh, but there's so much brothers. I've spent, as you know, 40 years plunged into Rumi, recreating Rumi, translating Rumi, writing books about Rumi, speaking about Rumi, making films about Rumi, writing film scripts about Rumi. I have really poured myself out in, I've met Rumi in myself and been deeply, deeply transformed by my sacred relationship with Rumi. But what I've discovered is that Rumi, for myself, led me to Kabir. There's a way in which Rumi enchants you into the depths of opening to the mystical life. And then when you're ready, you meet the killer. You meet the one who tells the truth, the one who grabs you by the throat and shakes you and makes you awake and makes you absolutely alert to the terrible danger you are in so that you can grasp also the amazing opportunity that is being given you by the one to die into life and to embody the divine in the very cells of your body and live a conscious divine human limitless life in the world. This was what Kabir discovered. This is what he's singing about. And it goes beyond religion. It goes into the very core of our evolutionary truth and our evolutionary destiny. 
And what's so fascinating about Kabir, as I was doing some reading about him, is that this amazing message, which is just transcending hundreds and hundreds of years, and like you said, is still so relevant to what is going on in our world today, uh, came from humble beginnings. Uh, he oh, was yes. born of a, a family of weavers, right? I mean, set the stage yes. a little bit of of who Kabir was. He was just a, a everyday well, guy, right? A simple man. Well, he was, and this is what's so important. This is what is part of the overwhelming appeal, the really beautiful, holy, radical appeal of Kabir is that he is the most democratic of the great universal mystical poets because he came from the lower classes, really poor Muslim weaver parents, and life was a fierce struggle for him, and he worked hard all his life and stayed a poor man and was illiterate and sang these sublime, unprecedented songs of superconsciousness in the filthy streets of Benares outside his weaver shop. He never played guru. He never gave his final adherence to any religion. He stayed free in the wild, holy adoration of the one in every aspect of life. He was a father. He was a husband. He was a friend. He lived in the middle of the world, illumining his whole world. And people came and crowded around him, and he sang more, and they took these astounding naked, fierce, lucid, unbelievably direct songs jetting from the heart of this immense realization that lived in him beyond religion. And they wrote them down and they became a whole swarming mass of songs that then fertilized the Hindus who learnt them because they were in the vernacular, the language of the poor. People learnt them and Sufis learnt them because his language was soaked also with his passion for Islam. And then they were incorporated masses of these songs into the heart core of the Sikh scriptures. So this amazing being, Kabir, became the ultimate poet of India, the ultimate poet that some up the highest and deepest secrets of Indian mysticism, the highest connection with the absolute and the deepest secret, the point of evolution being the embodiment of the absolute in the core of matter. These are the two secrets at the core of the Hindu tradition that came burning alive in him. So, this being that is Kabir fertilized all the religions of India but goes beyond them because he's a universal voice of a universal birth that is now having to take place at immense speed because the windows for the transformation of the planet in our appalling crisis are closing and we must become serious about this total transformation of our whole nature that's required for us to rise to the challenge of birthing the divine so that we can cooperate with the divine in us and around us to save our world from ourselves and save ourselves from ourselves. So Kabir's voice is very important. 
Does this ring true to you, what I'm saying, or is it Absolutely. that I'm so Well, obsessed with him <laughs> that I I'm, can't? I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep up with you, but I no, I totally rings true because what, what I found so interesting in that, because I was coming to this as a newbie, right? Which I guess is, is what you wanted. I mean, you want people Oh, of like course. me to be able to God, be I introduced. want everybody. Yes. And I think Yes. everybody should really, I mean, because there was so many times just how I experienced this book, just so you know. So I read, I read the whole book like in one sitting and then I, I, I noted, you know, which poems like really, like I said, grabbed me by the throat, kind of struck me in the face. And so I read through it and then I went back and I read them again, you know, and, and went back to the ones that, that really struck me and just the theme. I mean, there were several themes that we, that we'll talk about, you know, over the course of the interview today, but like the one, what you're saying, what, what really struck out was, you know, the, the divine is, is within me accessible to me, even a simple, you know, Oh, humble God. man. And you Everybody, have to avail yourself everybody. to this, right? Oh, God, yes. This is the absolutely radical, incineratingly intense and pure vision of Kabir that makes him like Jesus. Jesus and Kabir both saw that everyone was nothing less than the completely loved child of the divine father-mother of the transcendent light. and the embodied Godhead coming together. And And like this Jesus, is he a was revelation. radical, right? He was. Totally radical, because once you see that, then all the games of caste, all the games of separation, all the games of power that religion plays as much or even more deeply than the other forms of power become obscene, disgusting, because they're slaughtering a totally simple relationship. The one is appearing in and as everything and infinitely beyond everything at the same time. And that's the naked truth of reality. And that's where Kabir begins. And that's what he tells us absolutely nakedly when he says to us, wherever you go looking for me, I'm already always by your side. I'm not in sacred places. I'm not in temple idols. I'm not in solitary retreats. I'm always already by your side. And that message seems so simple, but even at the time, what, what I thought was so interesting was he was a radical. He was highly critical of the the Muslim religion as, as well as Hindus. I mean, he grew up as a Muslim, but was later influenced, right, by a Hindu Oh, teacher, God, he, but he was critical hated of, of all of it. <laughs> he hated the false rituals. He hated the exclusive claims to enlightenment. He hated the caste system. He hated the slaughtering of animals in the Muslim religion. He loathed the way animals were just killed and killed and killed on feast days. He thought that was an obscene blasphemy against the presence of the one in everything. And he hated the hypocrisy of the Hindus, the way they used learning and Brahmin status to lord it over people and oppress the untouchables. He saw 
how corrupt Hinduism had become and he saw how corrupt Islam had become because he saw with the eye of someone who saw through all concepts to the unknowable mystery of the one. He fell totally in love with that one and was irradiated with that one and knew that that one was penetrating the very cells of his body, turning him to gold. That's why I call the book Turn Me to Gold. He knew all this and he wanted to reach us absolutely nakedly and directly with the complete truth because he trusted something divine in the human nature, at the core of human nature, that his job was to wake up and talk to nakedly without any kind of BS on any level. And much like Jesus this idea didn't go over too well with people oh around him. I mean, God. he was persecuted, right? Well, yes, I think he also had a very fierce prophetic side. So I'm sure he courted persecution. He really, really went like an attack dog to the neck of hypocrisy. You cannot imagine the ferocity of some of his poems. He really slashes at the Brahmins, slashes at the false mullahs, slashes at the hypocrites who kill animals in the name of God, slashes at the violence that religions, all of them, do in the name of God. And he rails and raves against it with an intensity and ferocity and clarity that is only matched by Jesus's raving and railing against the false authority of the priests because both are possessed by a vision of egalitarian justice for all beings, all human beings and all sentient beings, all equal in and under God, in the kingdom, queendom, the embodied Godhead right here. I mean, some of the language is is just amazing with the passion that that it, it brings, that it invokes. Like, I, And I was thinking of you know, I was brought up Catholic in the story of, of Jesus, you know, going yes. into the temple and, yes. you know, throwing out the money changers and just yes. being so angry. And then you read something like anger. this in Kabir. It's amazing. I think it's it's more than angry, my darling. I think it's a divine ferocity. I think when a being is possessed by justice, as Jesus was possessed by justice, when he was overturning the tables, he was manifest a fierce passion for justice that is at the core of the awakened heart. And that divine ferocity is a very majestic quality of truth because truth does have a very ferocious edge. Truth is the truth of impermanence after all things, all things being impermanent, being shattered as they grow. That's a terrifying truth, and the truth of chaos birthing new possibility, but having to pass through zone after zone of desolation, that's a terrifying truth. So there is this divine ferocity at the core of truth, and Kabir certainly has it, doesn't he? Oh, absolutely. And you can see as you look over history, you know, well, you know, Jesus, Kabir, it seems like people that have that passion to speak the truth aren't always welcome, right? There's just people aren't ready to hear it, I guess. can't be welcome. They're not supposed to be welcome. They are pioneers of the new. They're going to threaten everything if their truth is really put into action. 
we haven't put into action any of Jesus's fundamental truths, which is why the world is in catastrophic state. We haven't put into action this tremendous democratic vision of Kabir's, but they are still here to help us get real, get down, get with the essential, naked, demanding, glorious simplicity of the truth and open our whole beings to the truth to be changed into the truth in action in the core of the burning world. This is what Kabir can still reach out to us to help us do. That's what he's helped me do. I know what can happen to somebody who really approaches Kabir with reverence because that's what I did many years ago when I began to plunge into this amazing field of incisive, raw, pure, holy passion energy, this clarity passion energy that is Kabir, this truth passion energy. and. Over the times that I've spent, over the months and years I've spent translating these poems and putting them into an order that could make them live as much as possible in a musical harmony that interpenetrated each other, all of those years, in all of those years, this force that he is worked on me to burn away what is authentic, inauthentic in me, burn it away because he is like a fierce, infinitely loving but infinitely unillusioned brother who will tell you the truth whether you like it or not in the most naked way and with the most exalted intention of soul. So it's an extraordinary thing to open yourself to this amazing presence. And I think that's what you're describing, Diane, this very electric personality that burns from this poetry. It's an initiatory kind of personality, isn't it? It is, and it's really hard to believe that this is a voice from hundreds and hundreds of years ago that is still able to to grab you and, and shake you and still be so relevant today. And you said that you were transformed over this process, it was a five-year period, wasn't it, to put this together? Absolutely. I felt, well, quite honestly, I feel a very different person having undergone the burning of living with this voice for so long now. You cannot approach Kabir without being seared to your depths by the purity that's burning in Kabir. He never flatters. He never speaks down. He never pretends. He stays absolutely naked and lethal. And as you work with him, he works on you because he starts to show you in yourself your insincerities, your hypocrisies, your vanities. And he keeps driving you. This is what I found. He keeps driving me. He kept and keeps driving me deeper into the mystery of the one, of the one that can never be named, the mystery beyond mystery. 
the abyss of unknowing, which unravels all doctrines, all concepts, all imaginable formulations, and just leaves you in helpless, gorgeous, total surrender to the mystery beyond names and forms. Well, Andrew, this is all just so fascinating. And we're going to take a break in just a few minutes. We have about three minutes. But before we go, it would be great to share a poem that really illustrates that that passion and devotion to the divine that we've been talking about. Did you have one handy? <laughs> you probably memorized the whole book. Oh, right? yes. Well, tell us what we're going to hear. The beloved is in me, and the beloved is in you. As life is hidden in every seed, so rubble your pride, my friend, and look for him within you. The beloved is in me, and the beloved is in you. As life is hidden in every seed, so rubble your pride, my friend, and look for him within you. When I sit in the heart of his world, a million suns blaze with light. A burning blue sea spreads across the sky. Life's turmoil falls quiet. All the stains of suffering wash away. Listen to the unstuck bells and drums love is here plunge into its rapture rains pour down without water rivers are streams of light how could i ever express how blessed i feel to revel in such vast ecstasy in my own body this is the music of soul and soul meeting of the forgetting of all grief this is the music that transcends all coming and going. Wow, that is just incredible. Such beautiful work and such beautiful words. And I'm so glad that you were able to share this with us in this book, Turn Me to Gold, 108 Poems of Kabir. Just incredible. And I can imagine people singing these Back oh, hundreds of them. years ago. Oh, he sang them, and the whole of um, Kabir's work has spread in astonishing songs, and they're kept alive by the great Kabiri musicians. That's India. So amazing. We'll be right back to talk more about this incredible work, and Andrew will share some more poetry reading from Turn Me to Gold. 108 Poems of Kabir, and the book is available now. This really should be under uh, everybody's tree, if you have a tree, if you do the Christmas tree, uh, just as the gift-giving season is approaching. This book would just make such a beautiful gift. We'll talk more. Thanks for joining me on Unity Online Radio. We'll be right back. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world.
You're listening to Unity Online Radio. This programming is made possible through the generous donations of listeners like you. If you feel inspired by this programming, we invite you to contribute. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate to make your offering today. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Catherine Ponder, taken from a classic talk called The Prosperous Truth, recorded at Unity of Austin in 1991. I heard from a young lady who was just starting out as a Unity minister, and she said, I am not teaching prosperity yet in my ministry because I have not yet demonstrated it in my own life. And I don't think I should teach what I have not demonstrated. And I wrote her back and said, Honey, you've got it all backwards. You need to teach what you want to learn. You teach what you want to demonstrate. Because you cannot demonstrate what you do not know. There must be an inworking before there can be an outworking. To find out more about Unity Teachings, visit unity.org. Follow Unity Online Radio on Facebook and Twitter and stay up to date with all your favorite shows. Become a fan by clicking the like button. You can join in with a Facebook Live event or just like and share our post. Be the first to find out about any big special guests that might be appearing on the air or any events at Unity Village. We want to hear from you. Make sure you leave any questions or comments about Unity programming. Thanks for listening. Take time out for you and join other like-minded souls looking to build their connection to spirit with the Unity at Sea Cruise in 2019. Experience a spiritual retreat at sea as you participate in a special program designed to help you on your individual journey of self-discovery. Deepen and explore your spiritual growth with Unity ministers and presenters as you enjoy exotic Caribbean ports of call. For all the details, go to unity.org slash unity at sea now to make a deposit by January 30th and save $100. Get ready to stretch your thinking and question your beliefs. Tune into Metaphysical Romp with Rev. Paul Hasselbeck every Monday at 10 a.m. Central on Unity Online Radio. Paul, along with his co-hosts, Rev. Bill and Cher Holton, will challenge your thinking and inspire you to open your mind and look outside the box. Discover Unity's spiritual laws and take a deep dive into the world of metaphysics and apply life-changing concepts today. Tune in Mondays at 10 Central on Unity Online Radio. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Be Present, The Diane Ray Show. Welcome back to the show. I'm so glad that you could join me today. I'm Diane Ray talking with Andrew Harvey about his new book. It's called Turn Me to Gold, 108 Poems of Kabir. We're just immersing ourselves in this amazing language and just the the energy and the emotion that comes out of these poems. Andrew uh, read one uh, right before we went to the break and you just kind of sit there and you're, you're like, whoa, you know, what did I just hear? This is amazing. And these were poems that Kabir sang um, in the back in the 15th century, which just blows my mind that 
these words have been able to to transcend over hundreds of years and and still grab us today. So Andrew, I was reading that these you you had said these were songs, right? These were songs that Kabir oh, yes. sung. He sang them. He didn't write anything. He was illiterate. He sang these. He went into ecstasy. He sang these, and people took them down. Just as Rumi never wrote anything, Rumi would go into ecstasy and lean on a pillar, and these stupendous mystical odes would pour out from him. People would take them down. So they have that in common. They were possessed, and they their possession took the form of this ecstatic singing that became the foundation of the songs that we have now. That's so amazing. It's so and beautiful. isn't it true that these weren't even written down until the 17th century? So people were just sharing these yes, by song. Yes, them orally. Yes, they would pass down orally. So people sang them in the course of their day when they were working as boatmen or working in the fields or slopping cow dung. And that's how they integrated this ecstatic wisdom into the core of their lives. That's what makes it so special, so raw, so present, so naked. So just in their working life, going through their day, you know, they, they would, would sing, sing these, these songs, songs and yes. and they just lasted hundreds and hundreds of years until yes. people actually transcribed them. Yes. And then you, you spent five years... Uh, putting them together in this book. So yes. it's really an, an amazing achievement. Well, I had to immerse myself so completely in his field that I had as deep a sense as I could possibly have of how to represent as far as I could in one book the full range and majesty and wildness and holiness and grandeur and passion and nakedness of his immense mystical genius. That takes a long time because you have to plunge with your whole being into something that serious, especially when you're dealing with someone who is so grand and so vast, so much, one of the two greatest universal mystical poets of humanity. There are only two poets at this level, and that are, that is Rumi and Kabir. They are the brothers of the universal mysticism that's trying to be born in our time, very different and very secretly united. And one of the messages that you're you know, really passionate about sharing is that this work is is so relevant to what's going on today with all of the things that are happening in our, our world and our, our culture, our, our civilization. And it just made me think as I was reading the the poems that, you know, in the work of Kabir and you hear his voice that you can imagine he didn't suffer fools, right? He had no patience for, you know, pundits. Oh God, and, no, he was the absolutely not new age teacher. No, not at all. He you know, was people that just talk. Ferocious. Yes. He had no he had no patience for that. So I was I was wondering what would Kabir think of, you know, like a CNN panel or one of those MSNBC panels where it just seems like there's these talking heads all the time, people just talking, talking and, and nothing Kabir really getting think. done. This is absolute madness when the world is burning to death in an environmental catastrophe of unprecedented proportions. It is absolute madness when the panel of the United Nations, which is nearly always the most conservative panel, tells us that we have 12 years in which to change everything if we're not going to surrender to our children unimaginable catastrophe. And the Kogis, the great Kogis of... South America, Colombia, have told us, and they are 
many people believe, the wisest, most integrated people on the earth. They've told us that we have a seven-year window to make major changes or just face the consequences. So to be indulging in this kind of chatter, to be indulging in this kind of division, this, these politics of hatred on both sides, especially, of course, the side that is now trumpeting itself, that is a catastrophe at this moment because we need to pierce through the illusion, see what danger we are in, align ourselves with the one, align ourselves with the miraculous grace that is allowing a great birth to be happening at the same time as this great death and be the birthers of that birth under and in God so that we can rise to the challenge of where we are and do something weird about it. Right. That's why how we, we need to come together, voice. right? Yes. Come together in a universal embrace of the creation and all beings in it, in the name of the nameless one, of the infinite ocean of light that we all are and the whole creation is in its secret depths. That's Another thing Kabir. that I, want, I wanted to ask you about what Kabir thought of, he, he wasn't all about, you know, I'm going to go to the place where there's 10,000 virgins waiting for me and the afterlife oh is this beautiful God. thing. <laughs> no. well, I thought that was so fascinating that he seemed really highly critical of the idea that we're going to get this great reward and, and peace and riches after death. Oh, and no, no. he was more about the here and now. Well, it's. I think it's an even deeper mystery than that, my darling. I think what he's talking about is the greatest mystery of the mystical path, and that is allowing yourself to die to yourself is being born as conscious, eternal life, living your life. And I think what Kabir is trying to teach us is not to expect heaven after death, but to live the divine in life by dying to ourselves, by dying to the ego, by letting love incinerate us so that we vanish into love and are born as deathless, pulsing light drops of the great infinite ocean of the one. And but, that's what he's teaching us. It's an astounding teaching because he's really saying your vision of matter is crazy. Your vision of heaven is crazy. Your task is to embody the divine in life by dying into life. And wasn't he saying as well that, you know, we need to kind of wake up and take action and come together now? Like, I love this line. Those who claim after death that your soul melts into God are giving you false comfort. Like exactly. Like wake, wake up. You're not gonna. You know, it isn't gonna be all great when when you're dead. You're dead. I mean, do you think he felt that 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 was it? No, God, no. He knew that there was reincarnation. He knew that the soul would continue, but he also knew that those who had chosen illusion would have a very fierce time of it next time trying to get out of illusion because they'd have been even more deeply rolled in its pitch. That's why he got so crazy about this. But he also knew the deathless state himself, that the soul was immortal, that there was eternal life because he was living it in his body. You see? Uh, yeah, okay. okay. Uh, so I see I was interpreting it a little differently. That that's really interesting to hear um how you're explaining it cuz I was I was thinking that he was saying, you know, look, we 
we need to wake up and be here now in this moment where we really have have power to do something rather than wait for this this promise of you know being being swept away to heaven where it's all beautiful and wonderful well i think he's saying that but he's saying something else he's saying look your inner body to realize divine consciousness that is your original blessing the rest is illusion every form of wealth or fame or success or any kind of obsession with power all of that is madness the only important thing in life is to realize your divinity your essential divinity go for it give everything for it because when you do you realize that you didn't know anything about what life really is and you didn't know anything about what god really is because you'll be living god in you in the core of your life and you will have overcome what you imagined life to be and what you imagined death to be because you'll be living in the deathless awakened light of enlightenment embodied divinity that's what he was doing that's what was so amazing about him is so amazing about him and the work you see and that's such a thrilling challenge to all of us isn't it it is definitely it's definitely the the challenge um but he was saying that also that all of that this is all accessible to us like we were saying in the in the last segment that God's divine love is available and accessible to all of us. But I wanted to ask you about this, yes. where he says that, or, or where it was mentioned in some of the work that the direct connection you can get to God is through the practice of saying the names of God this in the heart. Is That's and, and what does that mean? <laughs> How can we do that? Oh, this is such a beautiful thing you said, because Kapia knew that God is right here in us always always available but he also knew that for the divine transformation to take place in us that we're destined for we have to turn up passionately with intense devotion in the relationship with god and he also knew that we didn't need fancy rituals we didn't need elaborate meditations we didn't need sanskrit prayers and priests in golden robes what we needed was one thing only one thing only and his whole teaching concentrates on this one thing and that one thing is the name of god any name that holds the highest holiness and beauty for you say that name in the core of your heart with intense adoration and over time kabir assures us and the sufis know this and the great masters of hesychasm in the christian tradition know this and the kabbalists know this over time the name will polish your heart so that your heart becomes a mirror in which eternal reality shines nakedly and simply and naturally this is what kabir knows and that's why saying the name is for him and it is in fact for all of the great mystics of humanity the central most important possible practice because it's the practice that can constantly align your deep self with the remembrance of the one that is your source and with whom you are somewhere hopelessly irretrievably in love and that name can be any name or would that be different for me than it is for you oh yes i think yes well for kabir it was ram 
And for me, it is increasingly Allah, because I love to say the Shahada, la ilaha illallah, but it's also Shiva, nam nama shivaya, and it's also Jesus in the Jesus prayer. So I have three gateways of the name for me that are very personal to my path. But anybody listening who has begun the mystical path will have a name, I'm certain, that is ultimately precious to them see that name as being the lens through which all the qualities of the divine radiate towards you personally and say that name in the heart and amazing things will happen. This is what Kabir is teaching and this is what actually all the great mystics of all the traditions have been teaching. It's really the key for the whole human race at this moment because something so simple can be done by absolutely anyone and Anyone who does it sincerely will have the most amazing results. That's so beautiful because all of us can use, like you're saying, whatever name you know seems to work. You know, I guess, or what we most, most resonate with. It's 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 the one that most opens your heart, the one that thrills you in the depths of your heart. That's how you know it's yours. When and, and I say so, Allah, I'm thrilled by the majesty that I feel in that name. So that's my particular name. But that, why do you think this is still considered such a radical thought? I mean, there's some people that maybe will be listening to this interview, to our conversation today, and they'll think, well, if you're not saying, you know, or you're not uh, accepting Jesus Christ as your personal savior, and that's the one and the only way, then you're wrong. I, I just I think that's so interesting where Kabir is saying this, you know, well, so Kabir long ago. Well, Kabir is saying that, all the religions are mad, and he would mm -hmm. consider the fundamentalists the maddest of all. It's complete yes. insanity <laughs> to imagine that you, anyone can have any understanding of the ultimate mystery. This is one of Kabir's endlessly glorious points. One of the great, great blessings of reading and immersing yourself in Kabir is that he drags you into the nothing and cuts your head off before its amazing power. So any idea that you can be the only one who knows the truth or know the truth or be the exclusive truth is absolute lunacy. It really but, is. It, it always seems so, so silly to me that in this vast world that there can only be, you know, people, people are so adamant, you know, well, there can only be one way. When he's saying so simply, you know, you can have this divine connection just open up inside your heart, you know, like a, like a flower, and it's so uh, accessible to all of us. But well, yet, exactly. We, we feel we have to put these restrictions on it. Well, listen to this poem, which is exactly what you're saying, and it says everything in 20 lines. Let's hear it. The Lord himself is a guest in your heart. Why are you still so desperately seeking him? Offer your whole heart to him before night darkens it. How many eons you've waited for this momentous chance. Go near now to his heart. Offer yourself selflessly. He'll give you an ocean of ecstasy and explain to you himself loves mysteries and essence. Kabir says, how could I ever express how blessed I am to have won his unshakable love? Wow. 
That's just so beautiful. It's so beautiful. He's saying to every single human being beyond religion, the divine beloved, the Lord, the mother, whatever name you give it, he calls it the Lord, but whatever name resonates most majestically for you, that lives in your heart. It's a guest in your heart. Every human being he's addressing. He says, offer your whole heart to that before night darkens it. Don't wait. Give your whole mind, soul, body, everything in you to that mystery. How many eons you've waited for this momentous chance. Offer yourself selflessly and what you'll get in exchange is this ocean of ecstasy and love itself explaining to you in you. Love's mysteries, love's essence. This is the essential guide to the mystical path of love and truth in one poem yeah and we we touched on this a little bit in in the last segment but kabir had a great love for animals and all beings and, oh, and he said he yes. really you know couldn't stand to see the the slaughter of of animals and i'm just thinking of how you know the vegan movement is rising today and how oh, a lot yes. more people are becoming aware of what's going on with our with our food supply and, and that process. And I'm just wondering, what do you think at that time, although people must have really had to scratch for food, right? Yes. Were, were those were those thoughts a, a radical thought at that time as well? Well, Buddhism and Hinduism are both vegetarian, at least in principle. And although the Muslims slaughter animals, what happened to Kabir is that he woke up to the infinite holiness and sacredness of every single sentient being. And that same total awakening happened to Rumi and it happened to St. Francis. And those to whom this total awakening happens into the glory of the marriage radiating everywhere know that animals are infinitely sacred and peculiarly gifted transmitters of divinity. And so for them, any violence against the living radiance of God in an animal is an abomination of beyond abominations. This is the new human's vision of the holy creation. And it comes through Rumi, and it comes through St. Francis, and it comes overwhelmingly through Kabir. Oh, human, don't kill any helpless animal. Life is equal in every being, and nothing can absolve you of the sin of killing, not listening to teachers, not reading a thousand sacred texts. That's immensely fierce. He's saying never kill an innocent, radiant, living being innocent and helpless and vulnerable and for whatever reason right there for is whatever no reason. reason yes this is a very fierce teaching and i think kabir knows that if we continue to kill animals in this senseless genocide that we are now inflicting on them if we continue to make the world an auschwitz in which we're torturing whole species to death and torturing billions of animals in slaughterhouses and torturing billions of animals in completely insane, psychotic, sadistic, vivisectioning 
experiments, then we're going to bring upon us a huge tsunami of black karma. And Kabir is one of the bravest of poets because he makes this clear in a way that no other mystical teacher and poet has done with such intense vehemence. He really saw, I think, the cruelty to animals as the most disgusting and terrifying commentary on the darkness of human nature. And he aimed many of his poems like swords at that huge boil. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've never read any other, uh, you know, spiritual teacher or, or work that I can think of that even addressed it in such a direct way. I mean, you hear, you know, all creatures great and small and, you know, in, in a kind of an abstract way, but not so exact where he said no under no circumstances no. Should you do this? No killing at all. No killing at all. No blocking of anyone from the direct relationship. No putting down of any human being. No cruelty towards any living thing because everything is the one in disguise. All is sacred, unutterably sacred. Everything is holy. And, and that's that, his vision. And that cruelty is really uh, like a an affront, an insult right? That, that well, we're perpetrating in insanity. It's a terrible, terrible mutilation of the creation. But even more frighteningly, it's a terrible mutilation of ourselves. I think Kabir understands something that goes to the core of our behavior with animals. Kabir understands that if you kill an animal, you're killing something sacred in yourself. You're killing that knowledge of interdependence with all living things that is your life blood, your life rope to truth. And when people open up really fully to that idea, I think they would be so amazed at the connection that they'll be, they'll enjoy with, with animals. I mean, I well, know you have a, such a deep connection with animals in your life and I talk to my cats daily, so... Oh, God, yes. But then <laughs> that's, what, that's what you find in Kabir, too, because he loves to celebrate the equality of all life. He's trying to help you get such an overwhelming vision of the beauty of the real life that you'll change everything in you, and you'll want to. He says, look into your heart. It's there that Ram and Allah live. Are the Vedas untrue or the Quran? What's untrue is your darkened view. He's one and one in everyone. How did you make him too? Every man, every woman, every animal who's ever been born, Kabir says, is one of his forms. I am Ram and Allah's silly baby. He's my guru. He's my peer. So beautiful, isn't it? I'm just his silly baby. I'm the one who's woken up to this astounding <laughs> world in which every single creature is you in disguise and unutterably sacred beyond any possible. And what are your hopes for the book? I mean, now you know now that it's out and and people are going to be able to really absorb, you know, the message and the words and spend time with it. And and like I said before, I really hope that people will pick this up and give it as a gift as well as buying it for themselves, you know, spread the word. I mean, will you be out, you know, reading poetry oh, or yes, doing... I'm really going to give my all to helping this book get out because you asked me what my dream was, Diane. That's such a beautiful question. My dream and my deepest prayer 
is that this book is part of a whole huge, rich, deep movement that leads to a renaissance of Kabir as splendid and amazing and inspiring as the renaissance of Rumi. So I welcome other translations and recreations. I'm just hoping that this will be a kind of spearhead, a pioneering spearhead for this renaissance, because I believe that the return of Kabir to the heart of humanity is as important as the return of Rumi to the heart of humanity, and that these two universal poets are our chosen mystical guides in the depths of our crisis. It's been an amazing flowering of Rumi, and Rumi has prepared us for being strong enough to take the fierce truth and the incandescent example and exalted knowledge and wild, holy, flaming courage of Kabir into ourselves to go forward bravely. So my deep hope is that this book will inject Kabir into the mainstream on the same level as Rumi so that these two beings can now guide us forward together. Well, I've so enjoyed talking with you about this work today, and I'm I'm so grateful that now I'm aware of Kabir and that I can just spend time with these beautiful poems and really, you know, dive into them. And so I really appreciate you spending time with us today and talking about this. And thank you so much for joining me, Andrew. My deepest pleasure, Diane. Thank you, darling. Thank you. And thank Unity for all the wonderful, wonderful work they poured into making this book so beautiful. Thank you, Unity. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Farber, and I'm an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast, Healing for Your Soul, I welcome some amazing guests and introduce you to some healing techniques like earth magic, working with nature and animals, and really getting to the heart of what is keeping you stuck. I want to help you deepen your spirituality and let go of blocks that are holding you back. Let me help you in this journey called life. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network, subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode.